tonight to the book of Job, if you would, book of Job. Thank you for uh, coming and praying together. It's a blessing lifting people up. Always enjoy that. Book of Job, chapter number one. We've uh, looked at the assets of Job. We've seen the accusations uh, against Job by Satan. And tonight we're going to look at the atrocities uh, for Job. The attack by Satan on Job was absolutely atrocious. When Satan attacks, he does so with gusto. Now, we probably, this isn't, I'm sure, news to any of us. If we've been a, a, a victim of Satan's attacks, we know that he does, uh, does so with all of his energies. Now, God had forbidden Satan to touch Job physically, but look at everything he does. I mean, he does everything up to that point. And Satan, he doesn't hold anything back. Let's look tonight at verse number 13, starting here, Job chapter 1, verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger into Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I, will, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Listen to this next phrase. While he was yet speaking. Can you imagine? Came another, said thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they were dead, are dead. And I alone, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight as we look at not only the atrocities, but the response. Help us to learn from it, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We see the coming, first of all, I want to look at the coming, the catalog, the casualties, and the conduct after it of these atrocities, but the coming first of the atrocities, there was a day, it was a partying time, uh, the Bible says when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking their eldest brother's house, since it was at the oldest brother's house, it was probably his birthday, we so last week uh, when it talks about how they would meet on his day, so uh, on the on the special day of the person, like, by the way, Miss Elaine's birthday today. Happy birthday to her. Appreciate her so much. Uh, but it's, it was probably his birthday. They're meeting there. They're having a good time. They're having a kind of a party there. The time specified means that the tragedy came to Job at a time of joy. The children of Job would have experienced this, by the way. They were uh, children in a wealthy family. They were able to have the, this luxury and enjoy this time. And then Satan swept in. He didn't. He wouldn't only take away Job's possessions, took away his, also his pleasures. Satan is not in the business of giving people joy. He gives only misery, only sadness and bitterness and gall. He doesn't give anything good. Uh, he, he advertises good, but he doesn't deliver good. The, the advertisements are, it's like the, I've learned in, in traveling, I, I'm, my wife's better than I am at picking hotels. 
because I don't have any standards, so it makes it a lot easier. But uh, I have picked, tried to pick nice hotels when we're both traveling, and uh, the difference sometimes between the pictures that I see on my computer from my bedroom at home and then when I get there, like these are not, and I'll, sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at the pictures again, this is not the same place. Uh, the advertisement looks so much better than what you actually get. Or sometimes you see that if you ever go to the to McDonald's for a salad, which why would you go to McDonald's for a salad? But you know, when you walk in there, they don't have pictures of the salads, they have pictures of the burgers. And you see this big glistening, juicy burger up there, so you decide to go for that. Have you ever seen the difference of what you get wrapped up in a piece of paper than what's up on the wall? It means that the advertisements often don't match what's given. Well, Satan's doesn't. Uh, his advertisements are glossy uh, pamphlets of wonderful good times, and he brings nothing but misery. And he can't stand for God's people to have joy. He cannot stand for you to be joyful. So he's going to do everything he can do to rob your joy from you. And we know that because just think about days when you've been especially joyful and things that happen during that day, people you run into, and uh, the just, just things to mess that up. Satan wants to take your joy away. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the second one is joy. It's the Spirit, the Father, the Lord, that wants to give us joy, not Satan. It was also a plowing time. Verse 14, the oxen were plowing. The first attack came when the oxen were plowing. This attack coming through plowing season would mean that Satan is not only taking away Job's possessions, he's also stopping the planting of crops, which would allow him to have uh, rob him of greater blessing further on. He's not even going to be able to get the blessing of the next crop. Satan will do, destroy as much as he possibly can on this attack on Job and also in the attacks on our lives. He wants to completely and utterly destroy. And then this phrase we see over and over while he was yet speaking. It was trouble piled on top of trouble, piled on top of trouble, piled up on top of trouble and tragedies were coming. One of the worst things about them is that they were piled on top of each other like this. Talk about, what's the phrase, when it rains it pours? You felt like that before? And just everything hits at once. Uh, before one messenger finished, the next one came. Just imagine, just stop and think about the utter shock of the first message. And then the second one runs up, and the shock of that one, and then the next one comes. And, well, they're not even done talking, and they just keep coming with more and more bad news. Now, we see the practice here of successive trouble. Trouble that just comes, it does, doesn't often come singly. Shakespeare even said that. Trouble comes not as a single foe, but in battalions. <laughs> you ever felt like that in your life? It, they come in groups. They come in, in battalions. Uh, Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Sometimes they come in, in droves. And experience tells us that, too. Not only the Bible, not only uh, these different people, but uh, our own experience will tell us. You, you remember times when it just seems like trouble is coming from every direction. There's a purpose in successive trouble, especially on Satan's side. He not only brings great tragedy, he wants to completely crush and overwhelm Job. Remember, his desire for Job and us is to destroy, to devour us. Uh, Job has no time to recover before he gets hit again. And then he doesn't have time to recover from that before he gets hit again. Satan doesn't want Job to have any opportunity to bandage his wounds, to, to uh, gather his spirits, to be able to pray or anything before another attack comes. He wants maximum damage. 
Again, I remind you the word used in 1 Peter, devour, that he wants to do to you. Uh, Satan hit Job hard and fast. And look at the proclaimers of the successive trouble here. I am only, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Talk about the scripture not flowing. That's even hard to read. Uh, we were talking about memorizing verses earlier. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Satan allowed one of the servants to escape from each tragedy to inform Job. One, just one person. Every time, one person survived because Satan wanted that message to get to Job. And uh, Satan always, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Satan always makes sure there's bearers of bad news around. <laughs> the Debbie Downers. There's always somebody, there's always a Debbie Downer, it seems like, in the mix uh, in churches and groups of people. If there's bad news, uh, if there's no bad news, by the way, they'll make some or just be negative about the good news, just being a downer. Uh, Satan has these in every family, in every church. People who feel it's their job to bring the shade onto everything that is being said, every uh, just just negativity. And by the way, don't ever that person. Amen. That is a terrible way to live our life. Always criticizing, always complaining, always trying to stop forward movement. And the bad news bearers typically waste no time giving their news and opinions. Several years ago, it was a last night of VBS, and most of you have helped with VBS, and you know what it's like, especially on the last night. I mean, you're ready to just collapse and sleep for three days. But it was the last night of VBS. I was sitting actually right where Casey's sitting back there, just kind of, you know, collapsed. We had all finished cleaning up, and there was a, one of the, uh, it was an adult here that had been here every night, didn't help, just was here, just kind of observing, and uh, handed me a two-page list. This is things that she did wrong and could have done better. And you know how hard it is to say, thank you for your input. May you not get hives, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, to be gracious at a time like that. But there's people, there's somebody like that always in the mix. There's somebody like that that's going to be there. Don't let it discourage you. Uh, Satan has those people there, and so uh, this, this, this is just something we have to understand. But look at, uh, secondly, the catalog of atrocities. The, there was four specific calamities I want to look at here. Two came from nations, and two came from nature. Look at the, two, uh, the four. The first was the Sabaeans. Verse uh, 14 and 15, the oxen's plowing, the asses feeding beside them, Sabaeans fell upon them, took them away, slaying the servants and that. The Sabaeans came when Job's servants were busy plowing. Uh, the asses were feeding, which would, means they would be off guard for, for attacks. So the Sabaeans stole all of them. And then they also left this bloody carnage behind, killing the servants involved with the plowing. This is a major attack. This would have been bad enough in and of itself. But can I tell you when you're subject to attacks in your life and in my life is when we're off guard, just like they were. When we allow ourselves to get off guard spiritually, the attacks will come. Now, this can happen two different ways. We can either be off guard because we think we've got something whipped or we think we're standing tall and we've uh, overcome a giant. We don't have to worry about that sin or that temptation anymore and then, you know, take heed lest you think that he standeth lest you fall. And so being off guard is, is a tough thing. Or, and I deal with this every week of my ministry, 
in, in church here almost every week dealing with somebody who they back off of church or they back off of serving God or they quit coming, life falls apart, trouble hits them, and they have uh, they just don't know what happened. I just don't understand what happened. Well, what happened is you got off guard. You didn't you didn't stay faithful to the Lord. You weren't serving, and then Satan has caught you, and he's now able to attack. And uh, we have to be careful with that. So stay on guard. By the way, what does the Bible say? First Peter, be sober, be vigilant. You have to be on watch all the time, on guard. That idea of being vigilant. And then the second one we see is the fire. Uh, verse 16, the fire of God fallen from heaven. This could have been a lightning, could have started a grass fire, could just have been fire and brimstone like fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't know what kind of fire it was. Uh, either the fire, e- either that it was, it could have been either one, but the fire destruction was great. It killed 7,000 sheep, all the servants caring for them. It's an interesting point here, by the way. The fire of God has fallen from heaven. Did you know that Probably on your insurance, most insurances have the act of God clauses in them. Something happens that they call an act of God. Isn't it interesting that God gets blamed for the destruction? Like, uh, you know, you win the lottery, you've got good luck. If a tornado comes, it's an act of God. Uh, it, they evidently did it back then. The fire of the Lord or fire of God has fallen here. Uh, why don't we call it an act of Satan? But anyway, that's really what that was. Then uh, the Chaldeans, verse 17. This is one of the two nations. You had two nations, Sabaeans and Chaldeans. The Chaldeans made out of three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. They used an effective uh, effective tactic here. They divided themselves into three groups to do the dirty work here. This is also a great picture of Satan's work in our lives. If, if one way doesn't work, he comes at us from different angles. You ever felt that before? I mean, just can't catch a break. There's uh, different things coming from different directions, coming from different angles. You ever are, are you ever starting off with a good attitude, a thankful spirit, and and uh, you got along with the family, and everything's going good, and you're having the right attitude, and as you go out into the world, and the car won't start, or there's a flat, or you get caught in traffic. Or you're in a hurry and every light is red. That happened to me two days ago. I was running a little late for an appointment and every single light that I came to was red. I'd come to a green. Yes, that's going to stay green. It's going to ah, turn red just before I got there. Uh, that can change my attitude real quickly. Uh, suddenly you're mad at the world. Satan knows how to push our buttons. He knows what buttons to push. And he'll come at us sometimes from multiple angles. The Chaldeans took, three, took the 3,000 camels of Job. They also killed all the servants of Job, taking care of the camels. And then you had, fourthly, the wind. Verse 19, there came a great wind from the wilderness. This is what I wondered. Maybe Job lived in South Dakota. I don't know. But uh, there, this could have been a tornado. It uh, could have been some, uh, just a strong wind from the Lord. But it, it demolished the house of Job's oldest son. Now, it said the young men were slain or killed because of the wind. This was also a clue, include the daughters. He lost all his children. This was an ultimate tragedy, again. I mean, each one was horrible in and of itself, but Satan's hitting him here, and then he's hitting him here, and then he's hitting him here, and now he's hitting him there, uh, finally with the children. What a, what a tremendous tragedy. Now, 
before we're going to look at his response, let's just look at the casualties. Uh, Job's possessions, his, his, his possessions that he lost involved his livestock, his labors. This was a devastating loss for Job. This would be like more than the stock market crash. He lost everything all in one fell swoop. Satan is cruel. He wants to rob and destroy you of every good thing that you have. Every, he would love to destroy everything that we have from the Lord. And we need to remember that. Let's not ever give him any credit toward the good. He is a cruel, vicious murderer. And then not only his possessions, but his progeny. He, worse than losing his possessions was losing his ten children. Can't imagine losing one, much less ten, right at the same time, all of them. Lost every single one of them. Satan couldn't touch Job physically. I mean, if you ask me, all this is worse than being touched physically. It's, uh, you, you have everything taken away from you. Killed them all. Satan's a murderer. Jesus said it himself in John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. Again, this is what he wants. He wants to totally and utterly destroy you. He wants to devour us in, uh, in completely. And it's just uh, something that makes me despise him all the more. Now, this is where we get the core of the message, Job's response. There's an illustration I read today I thought was good. I'll share it with you. Satan called in his lieutenants to help him develop a strategy, strategy for keeping God's people in defeat. One strategy after another was suggested, keep them from prayer, keep them from the Bible, keep them from church. Satan liked these, but one strategy impressed him most of all as being quite effective. That one said, let them pray all they want. Let them read the Bible all they want. Let them go to church all they want. Just convince them that they don't really have to do what God tells them. Now, what Satan's really after was not Job's children, not his camels, not his cattle, not his asses. He wasn't after any of those things. He was after Job's relationship with God. That's what he really wanted to destroy. And what he really wants to destroy in your life is your relationship with God. See, he doesn't care what we do as long as we don't do what God says. And so Satan's will for our life is that we just do what we want to do. We do I mean, when Sunday comes, we do whatever we want to do. We don't make church a priority. We just do what we want to do. When uh, it comes time to pray, we just, we just do it if we want and don't do it if we don't want. We just do what we want to do. That's Satan's will for our life. So on Sunday morning, help a little old lady cross the street or go to a Satan-worshipping church. He doesn't care which, just don't go to God's church and obey him. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't, we, we often get the idea that when Satan gets control of somebody, they're eating the heads off fats and drinking blood. That's not Satan's ultimate goal. Work for Greenpeace, just don't do what God wants you to do. So that's Satan's, he wants to destroy our relationship with God. That's what he wanted with Job. Look at the response. Job arose, verse 20, and rent his mantle and shaved his head. There are two ways men in those days displayed their sorrow. These, these showed them both here. The mantle was the outward garment. They uh, tore that, and then shaving their head was another way they expressed it. Now, it was not expressed uncontrollably. Shaving the head, uh, I don't know. I've never shaved my head, but I assume you'd have to do it kind of carefully, right, brother? That wouldn't get cuts and nicks all over it. So it's not something that he's just... I mean, he's in control of his sorrow here. Uh, 
the fact that he only tore his outer garment means that he's in control of his emotions. Now, it's not wrong to have emotions, uh, but it did not overpower his principles. And then look at verse number 20 as well. He fell down on the ground and worshipped. Now, to worship God, this is just boggles my mind. To get all this news and then to fall down on the ground and worship God. Worship God. Uh, is really saying that he accepted what's done here. He accepted it. This is extraordinary spiritual maturity. Far beyond what I believe I have. I don't know that I could have done what Job did here. I mean, this is incredible. He'll make a statement in the next verse that suggests that he sees God behind this tragedy, not only maybe causing it, but at least allowing it, in the statement he makes next, next, but he doesn't condemn God or criticize him. Now, now you understand in the heat of getting this news, uh, we can almost, we could forgive a rash response. I mean, it's in the heat of it. And, and yet, in this moment, he still stays in control like this. This worship is a, a submission to God. It's, it's incredible to me. Trouble didn't stop him from worshiping. He had lost all his possessions and his children, he still worshipped. It shows a high priority on that, by the way. Then look at his statement. By the way, what, what is our excuse for not worshipping in this day and age? It takes so little, doesn't it, uh, to stop us from serving God and, and being uh, right with Him. Look at his statement, verse 21. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's all that's recorded that Job said right after all this hit. Can you just fathom this? I mean, just fathom getting all this news, the, the absolute stunning news that he's receiving, one after the other, now all his children are dead. This is what he said. By the way, look, let's look at a couple, break it down just a little bit, this statement he made. It gives the right perspective of life. Naked came out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. Job, unlike a lot of people today, understood that you are not going to take it with you when you die. You can't take anything with you. So you know you came with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. One of the Astors or Rockefellers or some, one, of, one of those big wigs died and left, of course, a fortune and, and uh, the... Uh, attorney, when they met for the, for the uh, reading of the will, one of the family members asked the attorney, how much did he leave? And the attorney said he left it all. And that is true for all of us. We leave it all, no matter what we have or don't have. You can't take anything with you as you can bring nothing into the world. Paul said the same in Second, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 7, we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Psalmist said of men in Psalms 49, 17, when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. I'm going to leave it all. Now, with that perspective, can you see how that helps us to handle loss with grace? Again, not, not, we're not going to get news probably that our ten children died instantly all at one time, but we're going to have loss. Can you see how that'll help us with a, a hit on the stock market or the loss of a vehicle or something 
you know, whether it's even a house fire or something, we can deal with loss if we understand this perspective of life. Naked, I came in. Naked, I'm going to go out. And that'll allow us to say what he said next. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And also the providence in life. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. He understood that it all came from God anyway. It came, any, everything I have came from him. So I have the right, or he has the right, to take it away again. Being a gift of God, the Lord gave, so it was a gift, means that it was his mercy that allowed it. And being from God meant that God had control of it. And if he desired, he can take it away. He can take it away, by the way, anyway, whether or not we're willing. That's what I always try to teach people about tithing. God's going to get his tithe. Whether you give it or not, he's going to get it. There's only one way that you get blessed for it, if you give it. But he's going to get it if you don't, if you choose to hang on to it. He has ways. And so, Job bows to the sovereign will of God here. He submits to God's will, even in this terrible, horrible time. And all I can say is, wow, looking at that. So we see the perspective of life, the providence in life there. And then also, not after Job made the statement, look at the sanctity of Job. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He remained holy, right, righteous, in, all, in the midst of all these atrocities. This is not a normal response. Normally we should scream, we should, well, I've never cursed, but those that curse would curse in a time like this. Uh, who knows? Maybe I would then too. I don't know. Something horrible like this happened. I just I don't even want to think what I would do. But this is not the reaction that's normal to sin not in order to charge God foolishly. And uh, many men, when trouble comes to them, jump right into the gutter. They get angry. Maybe they'll go... Uh, jump off the deep end into the pool of iniquity or they go to the bottle or they go to drugs or whatever it is. But Job did not let his troubles affect his holiness, his righteousness. And then Job's praise, nor charged God foolishly. He did not criticize God or blame God when these troubles came. And uh, it's just a, it's an incredible thing to me to see his response. Troubles do not indicate an inferior God. He understood that, an unwise God or an uncaring God. And so he did not charge God foolishly. The greatest thing here that we see is Job's proving. He proved Satan wrong. Satan said, you touch his stuff, he's going to curse you to your face. And Job did not charge God foolishly. That makes me want to just stand by and cheer Job and point and laugh at Satan, because you were wrong, weren't you? Every time, holy conduct will honor God, especially when trouble comes. Satan is trying to rob the joy, the victory, out of your life and out of your heart. He's trying to affect your relationship with God. And when you allow that, he wins, and God does not get the glory. And so he couldn't accept that God, Job was loyal to God, and that his loyalty was based on higher principles than just stuff. Yet, Job proves it was. And he'll prove it again with the next round of trouble that Satan brings. So, that's my uh, challenge to you this evening. Job's response is just incredible to me. I, I read this, you know, I've read it many times in uh, reading through the Bible and through this book. 
And I just, it amazes me every time, especially if you stop and think, close your eyes, put yourself in Job's place, and think about these messengers running up, panting, out of breath, this terrible news they have, thinking they're going to give him the worst news he's heard that day, only there's one coming up right behind him with worse. And uh, Job, in all this, did not sin in his heart, did not charge God foolishly. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's strive for that kind of spiritual maturity. Father, thank you.